Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hey, what's up? It's Marcel here. And before we start the episode, I've got to let you know that the new Parakeeto course is live. You can go get access to it. And we are right now, if you're listening to this, doing a limited time offer. This is the best deal that we will ever have on the course. And it includes a bunch of bonuses that we're never going to give away ever again. And so if you've ever thought to yourself, man, I would really love to just be able to learn how to do what Parakeeto does and teach my team, give them a resource that they can just consume when they get onboarded so we can start to take control of measuring and improving our profitability, this is your chance to do it. The course covers our framework from soup to nuts, and I poured so much time into making this as complete as I possibly can. So if you're interested in getting access to that, check the show notes for a link. With that, I hope you are as excited as I am about this, and I will let you get to the episode, so enjoy it, and I'll see you soon. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am joined today by somebody who has spent a long time doing financials, uh, accounting, data around service businesses specifically, which is the the same business model that I am obsessed and passionate about. I'm really excited to dig in today. He runs a company called Clever Profits, which really focuses on creating world-class financial systems for service-based businesses. So with that, Adam Rundle, thank you so much for being with us today. Marcel, thanks for having me. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, it's uh, it's an honor to be here. So I'm fun to dive, excited and let's have some fun and let's dive in. So with that, um, I want to give you an opportunity to, in your own words, describe uh, what you do and who you serve. Yeah. So um, most people, can, you can probably hear, I, I don't sound American, even though I, I live in America. I'm actually not in America right now. I'm actually sitting in Cape Town, South Africa right now, and I'm South African. And, uh, <clears throat> but I've lived in America for the last six years, and I started a company called Clever Profits. And um, you know, our, our vision really is, how do, we, how do we help business owners actually truly make money? Uh, and not just make money on a P&L statement or make money on, on the internet, on some Facebook post or whatever it is, but to truly actually make money that they can extract from their business and go and invest into their lives. With it. And that's subjective. And everyone's got their own vision, mission, and what they want to do. And we don't get involved in that. We just get involved in the business side and saying, hey, let's, how can we help you build a highly profitable, highly efficient, highly well-run uh, machine that can truly derive you some form of income that is tangible and that, that is that is meaningful for the work that you are doing. Um, and so everything that's kind of centered around that very traditional accounting firm-esque, you know, bookkeeping, accounting uh, services, uh, fractional CFO services, taxes, payrolls, HR, uh, the kind of gambit of that financial world uh, is what we serve in, in the U.S. market and, and predominantly in digital marketing agencies, uh, online service-based businesses. We do have a lot of coaches and consultants, a couple of SaaS companies, but um, by and large, our business has been built around the digital marketing agency. You know, essentially, you're in the business of buying time <laughs> from people yeah. and reselling yeah. it at a profit. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of clever ways to package that up so that you're not talking about time with clients, but ultimately, that's that's the business model, right? And so how has that informed the way that you look at structuring financial data for uh, these service-based businesses? What do you think is it's different about how they should be looking at that information. Yeah. I mean, we, we I have a methodology that, that we developed that 
that is, and I'm not going to talk about the perfect PNL just yet. I, to me, the methodology around finances is pretty simple. It's, it's got to be really simple. And I think the, the, the problem in, you know, a lot of these types of industries that we operate in, like, like an accounting industry, an accounting industry is a very technical industry, like a law industry, like the medical industry is a very technical industry. Um, you, you, you technically, you, you know, you're required to have a, a significant level of education in order to participate in this industry. And that's the normal, that's, that's how, you know, the industry is being built. And there's a lot of barriers to that. And unfortunately, I feel like accountants in the past have, have kind of enjoyed the barrier. It's the intellectual barrier. I know how this works. So I'm going to tell you and you're going to say, yes, sir, how many bags full? And I'm going like, well, you know, I, th I think that that model's falling away over time. I think uh, the consumer, in this case, entrepreneurs and business owners are, are becoming a lot more savvy. And so to me, it's actually, when you want to structure something like this, to me, it's about simplicity and it's about extracting and highlighting the key, key data. And what I mean by that is there's lots of data. There's tons of data in every business. Every single transaction has probably three or four different data points, not just the financial data point. It's the who it is. It's the nature of it. Then it's where does it go on the P&L or on the balance sheet. Those are all data points. And those are, so there's, there's, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them. What I believe you want is you want to create a system and a structure that gives you the key ones in an easy and concise manner as quickly as possible. And the analogy I've often used is you don't, if you're feeling sick, you don't walk into a doctor's office and they say, oh, hi, sir, can you go sit in the MRI machine and we'll take an MRI quickly? No, they look at you and they say, hey, what's good? Like, let's check your pulse. How are you feeling? Are your eyes dilating? Maybe stick something down your throat, whatever it is. It's that assessment. It's that quick, very quick, very easy, inexpensive assessment that has to come first. doesn't mean you can't do an MRI. doesn't mean you can't go and do all that stuff. And your, your, your system must enable that as well. But that first part is super important because when that first part is missing, I think the, the friction gap between the data and the user is too big. And then people don't listen, don't, don't read it. And then people, I don't want to read that piano. I don't even understand it. And people, they may, you don't say that, but that's what people feel. And so when we structure things, when we, our methodology, before we get into nuts and bolts of it, is around simplicity. It's around how do we create a couple of very key buckets that we believe are the key drivers and then center the methodology around those things. Yeah, we're aligned on that as well. It's like, you know, the, and we talked about this a little bit before the show, like there's a science and an art to accounting. And the science is, you know, you got to file taxes a certain way. There's, there's requirements that you have to meet. And then the art of it is how do we answer important questions with this information? And there's often a tension between those two things. But I think Not in today's often. day and age, yeah, but, but I think that in today's day and age, like, um, you know, between the chart of accounts and classes and, and external reporting tools, like there is not a shortage of tools available to, you know, meet the constraints of those two things and end up with data that is compliant for, you know, the taxes and all that stuff. And that actually serves the business owner in terms of helping them get an insight and to your point, answer important questions and make important decisions in the business. But um, also to your point, I think, so much of the industry has just been used to kind of resting on the excuse that, oh, there is this, you know, very rigid process that we have to adhere to. And therefore, you know, like, let's, let's defer your strategic questions about your finance data and just pretend that those are not part of the scope of this engagement. So 
with that, let's talk about the perfect PL, which is the methodology that, that you've developed. Uh, what is that? What are the key elements of it? Yeah, so, so you know, the kind of the brainchild of it was I was sitting, you know, really when I started this company and, and I was starting to look a couple more clients and I was, I was looking at these financials and I was saying, okay, I'm measuring things, but I don't actually know whether it's good or bad. And I can, I'm not an idiot, so I can kind of gauge whether it looks pretty good or bad, but it was extremely subjective. So it was, it was very much so just my view. And I thought that's limiting in the fact that it's hard for me to now start to, to gauge how effective are people actually being like, how good, like you say you run this business and this is what it is. And, but is it actually good? Question mark. Is it actually good? And if the only measure of is it's good is the bottom line profit number, which is which most people measure. So they look at measure profit number and they normally say profit percentage. They are running a 20% profit margin or 30% profit. That's pretty standard. Everyone knows it. If that's the only number, I'm also limited in trying to help you improve that number because you improve that number by improving the numbers before it. Now, that's the most important number, obviously. Well, revenue is probably the most important number because you, if you don't have revenue, you can't have profits. It started revenue. I don't dispute that. It started revenue and then you have everything else and then you have profit. It's not about more important or not. That's irrelevant. But you have this profit number. If I know what to do with the numbers above it in order to make that better, then I can actually help you manage this thing. So we said, I then took all the clients I had and I started doing some data you know, aggregation and I ran some models and I read a lot of books. I read a book called Simple Numbers, Big Profits from Greg Crabtree, which is a, a massive book in my, in the forming of my opinions and viewpoints of how to do this. I also love Simple Numbers, um, um, Greg, um, Simple Numbers, Greg Crabtree, and then um, Profit First, Mike McCullough, which is an incredibly good money mindset book. It, it, it's a great way to think profit first. I, what I don't like about profit first is just, it's it, to me, it's too vague to me. It's like, Oh, there's this big bucket for expenses, but again, there's no real delineation. So I go like, okay, like that's great. But like, what do I do next? You know, like, okay, I've taken two steps, but I don't know what the third or fourth or fifth is. So I was kind of reading these books, you know, doing a lot of research, running analytics. And I started formulating what I believe to be the perfect PNL. And the perfect PNL is all it is. It's just a methodology that says, depending on the type of business you run, there are certain metrics that you want to be within in order to maximize your profit margin. And we use a max, like the, the profit margin we aim for for everyone is 30%. And 30% is, is a high number. The reality is most people average between 20 or 25% and sometimes even lower, maybe 15 to 20%. And that's perfectly fine. It's the perfect PL because we're aiming for perfection. We're not saying we want to achieve perfection every single time, but we want to put the yardstick at the highest level, and then we can manage the rest. It's also the perfect PNL is built around sustainability. It's more just running your business. When you in hyper growth, your margins will decrease because you're going faster and you're expending more energy. So, you know, we work with a lot of businesses that are actively trying to grow very heavily. Most startups are, most small businesses are. No one's really saying, well, I'm going to plateau for the year. They're really trying to grow. So we naturally see that profit margin decrease. And then we break down the drivers into three key areas in, in our model. The first is acquisition, client acquisition being what we say drivers. One is how do you get clients, uh, labor or fulfillment. So human resources is, is a category two is how do you know, what is our cost of all our human resources in order to deliver the service product, whatever it is that we are trying to deliver. And then the third is overheads. 
you know, the things that keep the lights on in our business. And those are three major buckets. Obviously, every single one has got a whole bunch of subcategories underneath it and all got a bunch of little things, but everything rolls up to one of those three. And we're looking at how do I allocate money correctly to those three to maximize that 30% profit. And then that is the methodology of the perfect PL. And then you can start to break down labor, where does it go? You know, is it operations, marketing, success services, some other delineations, but that is the idea. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, amazing. So, and just for, for everyone's context listening to this, like Adam and I had a conversation before we hit record on this where it's like, we don't see eye to eye on the details of how this should be structured. But so far, strategically, we are aligned on everything that Adam has just said in terms of like looking at the bottom line is not adequate. There are numbers above that. There's this idea of gross margin in here that I think is important. And we'll talk about the details around that. But um, I, I want to frame this because the disagreements here are, I think, going to be, and the discussion that we're about to have is is again, exposing that this is an art and a science. But I think at the fundamental level, we agree on the most important things, which are, it matters how efficient your delivery is and you know what the ratio of labor is to your, like it matters what the quality of your revenue is. And it matters that you separate. I think the key thing here is separate overheads from you know delivery and what it costs you to, to earn revenue so that to your point, you can understand what the driver of profits going up or down are, and you can make deliberate decisions about reinvesting in the business, overspending in certain areas, because it's what you want to do to grow. And, you know, we'll get into the details of different ways that we achieve that outcome. But I think fundamentally, we're aligned at that level. And that is the most important thing, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll just add, you know, it, I don't think there's, I don't, there's no right or wrong. I mean, and and, you know, I think if, 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 if we get down, if you, I'm not saying you want to do this, I, I don't believe this. I'm just, I'm saying this, this is my opinion is if the argument is, which is right or wrong, I think we have the wrong argument. And so I want people listening here to say, I, I have never, I will never. And if I ever do peach punch me in the face, say that the perfect PNL is the right way. No, the perfect PNL is a way. It's the way we like to do it. It's the way we understand finances. It's the way we've learned to interpret finances. And it's how we've built our advisory and expertise models around advising businesses. So we understand it very well. The reason it works well for us is because we can execute it very well. And so if you think of any sporting analogy, two great teams walk onto the field to play a game. They both have very good game plans. They may be very different, they both are very good. One's not right, one's not wrong. It comes down to who's going to execute one or the better on that day. And sport's different because you're actually physically competing against each other. So it's a little bit different to business. I know that. But the same kind of methodology. It's, I, I, 
I really don't care which methodology you want to use, but then use it and execute it effectively. Understand it, understand why it works, how it works. Make sure you build the entire system around it so that it's got the congruency from start to finish. The worst is saying, oh, I like Adam's perfect PNL, but I like this person's this, and I like person's this, this, and you try and hodgepodge it all together, and then there's inconsistency, and then it's going to be very hard to manage a thing. I've said this about everything. Every business model in the world works. You know why it works? Because it exists. And if it exists, it means it works. It means someone's done it. Someone's, someone's proven that this business model works and that it can make money. It's, the question isn't which is better than which. It's which can be executed the best. So find one. If you like the perfect meal, great. Whatever you like, it doesn't matter. But find one, get to understand it, and execute it. When you execute well, you'll succeed. And and that, yeah, we're completely aligned on that as well. It's And you probably had this experience. Like most of the clients that come to us think they're suffering from starvation. They're actually experiencing indigestion. But it all looks the same on their P&L because they're just looking at the bottom line. And when you, you could see your, you know, your delivery margin, gross margin, whatever, the ratio of direct labor to revenue, then you realize like, oh, we have an indigestion problem. And, you know, to your point, it's like, once you understand the levers and there's three average cost per hour, which is like, can we just get cheaper people to do the work utilization and average billable rate, which is a function of pricing or how long it takes us to do stuff. Then it's like, okay, like I can acknowledge the constraints. Like, do I believe that I can charge more or am I a competitive market? Do I believe I can get cheaper labor to do this? Or do I just really love my team and want to keep them? Do I believe that my team has, you know, can do more work or do I want to do a four day work week? And none of those are wrong answers. And I think it starts to open you up to this world of being able to like really objectively look at the business instead of like falling into the trap of a lot of the information that's out there around like, oh, the only way to, you know, scale your business is to price on value or to raise your price or to offshore your labor. And it's like, well, all of those are options, but they're not the only option, right? It's too reductionist. And you you take your power back as the agency owner. So I, I love, yeah, so here we are. I'm expecting for us to disagree. And lo and behold, two people that spent a lot of time on this problem and we actually agree on a lot of things. Um, what, so- is your, what, what, what is your ideal ratio? What is your, what would you want direct label to be of a top line revenue? Yeah. So the way that we look at this is we, we want to see a delivery margin of ideally 50% on the profit and loss statement. And then when we look at overheads, we're factoring out in overhead labor. We, we do like to isolate like payroll from non-payroll overhead expenses, but generally we like to see overhead be 20 to 30%. So that leaves 20 to 30% in net profit. And the idea from my perspective is like, if you have a strong gross margin, then you get to choose, do I want to like push a bunch of chips back into the table and over-invest in sales so we grow faster? Like that is a, a deliberate decision and it doesn't feel like happenstance if your gross margin is is solid enough. But of course, yeah, you know, yeah. the issue is if you can't see that, then it, you don't really feel like you have control. So again, I think a lot of similarities here, but you know that it's just really a lot of what we're talking about here is like chart of account structure and like just how these things are isolated. But ultimately, like the same insights are available to the business owner based on what you're talking about and the hundreds of ways I've seen this achieved on a, a chart of accounts before. Um, and you know, you've, you've got some good reasoning here behind like, yeah, we want to make it easier to roll up labor. I'm curious, uh, talking about overhead, there's a concept here of like fixed versus variable overhead. That's what I'm, I'm interested to dig into. Cause I don't, I don't see that, uh, defined quite as much. Uh, tell me a little bit more about how you differentiate those things and why you split them out that way. Yeah, we so we we technically have three overhead categories, you know, three overhead buckets that fall under one big overhead category, and it's fixed overheads, variable overheads, and business development. 
Um, now, the reality is, you know, what is fixed and what is variable? How do you always know? How do you always not know? Um, we're not really overly obsessed about them. Uh, to us, to us, the, the the combination of all overheads is the, is the most important number for us. Okay, fixed overheads in our world is things like rent, software, insurance, and utilities. Variable overheads is pretty much everything else in your business that could potentially exist, obviously outside of labor and acquisition cost. And then business development is is kind of the the business owner bucket. So things like travel. Uh, meals, training and education, we put on a business development. And the reason we put them there is because sometimes there could be a high discretionary level of spend there because of a desire of a business owner. A business owner say, I'm, I'm going to do a lot of travel and I'm going to try to be as tax effective about that. Or I'm going to do a lot of self-development and I'm going to be a tax effective about that. Or, you know, and, and you want to be able to maximize the taxable benefit. So that's fine. But we like to ring fence them because we, we just look at them with you know, just like a slight eye, you know, you go, okay, listen, if, if you've got cash flow problems and your business development costs are 12%, we're going to have a very stern chat with you because now you're just shooting your own foot. But, you know, if, if we say it should be three, four, 5%, but you're averaging seven or eight, but your profit margin is still pretty good, you're still earning a good salary, we may question the nature of it and say, what are you doing? But that's very discretionary on you. And, and our job isn't to to tell you where, 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 where not to invest your money if you want to be a better human. Um, our job is to help you run a business. So we'd like to ring fence those. And so that's the the, the, the three classifications we have. Um, but so much of our analysis is actually just around the combination of all of them, trying to not to exceed much more than 15%. And we don't want them as a combination to exceed much more than 15%. And then if you're doing MRIs, like I said, you go in and you're diving deeper, then you can start to look and say, hey, this number looks high, this number looks low. What we like, where we do fundamentally believe software insurance and utilities are consistent. If you look at a business, they're usually consistent. Now software technically can be a variable cost. And it, it usually is because it's it's based on often user seats. It may be, you know, there, there's so many factors. But to us, it's not about the fixed as in the number can't change. It's the consistency. Every single month, there should be a software cost. And there probably is a, a watermark of what that is. In a business, maybe it's $2,000. So everything month you probably spend, yes, one, you may spend two and a half, the other spend 1800 But it's consistent enough for us to say that's a relatively fixed in nature. The ones below that, you don't usually see consistency. And so they are a lot more sporadic. They are something that is happening a little bit more here and there. And that's how we would delineate variability to fixed and cheap as we could have a 14-hour podcast on how you define <laughs> fixed and variable. Again, no one gives a flying yeah. hoot. Just understand yeah. the model and have fun with it. Yeah, that all makes perfect sense. And I, I do like the idea of trying to uh, isolate some of those uh, tax efficiency expenses. And I would imagine there's a utility to that if you're ever in a kind of an acquisition conversation and you're trying to figure out SDE. Uh, that stuff is easier to find. It's not buried all over the place. And what this surfaces for me is another concept that I think we're very aligned on just in talking to each other, which is like, um, you know, this idea of precision versus accuracy. And I'm sure you see this all the time. You get a client that comes to you, you look at their chart of accounts and they've got like 600 accounts. Half of them don't have transactions in them. Some of them have like $15 in them. And it's like, by trying to track everything, you've ended up tracking nothing. And really understanding that it's like, there's just a handful of things that you want to be tracking horizontally all the time so you can surface a pattern. And then when you want to know a detailed question, you, you, you double click 
and you go into the transactions, you run a pivot table, like it takes you 10 minutes, but instead of having that operational drag all the time, and this applies to financial data, it applies to operations data. And I think it's such an important thing. And it's, it's clearly something just in listening to you talk that you embody and you, you try to push your clients to really acknowledge, because if your experience is anything like mine, clients want a lot. And often don't understand the cost of, you know, the amount of complexity they believe that they need and often don't need. So I think that's a really important takeaway here is like simplicity has so much value in this exercise because to your point earlier, consistency is key. So um, I know we're coming up on time, Adam. I've really enjoyed our chat. I think we should talk more. And for those that want to consume more of the content that you're producing, because you produce a lot of great content out there, you have some great videos on your YouTube channel, where should they go and, and find you online? Um, yeah, Adam Randall, thanks. And, and Russell, yeah, I mean, the last point you made is, I think that my biggest bugbear is you open up a chart of accounts and there's an account for Zoom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're going to put every not single Zoom cost as a category on your PL. Why in the world would you ever do that? Anyway, okay, I digress. Um, the, yeah, look, Adam Randall, I've got a, a YouTube channel also under Clever Profits. Um, a lot of our methodology is based there. I talk a lot about, you know, biz, you know structuring your business, chart of accounts, all that kind of stuff. And just some of the thoughts we have about running the business, Adam Rundle on, on Facebook, nothing fancy. There's no big gate, you know, firewalls in cleverprofits.com. You just go and if you like what you're seeing, you can say hi, whatever it is. And if you want to have a chat, we have a chat. That's great. Awesome. Well, for those of you listening in the show notes, we'll leave links to Adam's uh, website, to Clever Profits, to the YouTube channel and all of his socials. So make sure to go check that out. And Adam, really appreciate you taking the time to get into the weeds with me today. This was great. Uh, had a lot of fun, Marcel. Really appreciate it. The only the message I'll leave with is keep it simple. Uh, the simpler it is, the more often it'll be done. The more often it's done, the more often it's managed. So yeah, just keep it simple and uh, have fun while you're doing it. Otherwise, you're not going to want to do it again. Sage advice, indeed. All right. Thanks, Cheers, everyone, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks for being here, Adam. Cheers. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.